This is an ABC podcast. This is Culture Compass with Sayuli Solomasina von Reiki on ABC Radio Australia. Mailbox is not currently accepting messages because voicemail has not yet been activated. Please try your call again later. Este buzón de correo no acepta mensajes actualmente porque el correo de voz. Okay, Salah, what are we trying to do here? Por favor, we're trying to call a cava bar in New York to see if they're selling cava right now. But it looks like they're so busy that their mailbox is full. <laughs> I found one. I found one. Okay, what's the number? In in Colorado. Okay, in what's Colorado. What's the time in Colorado? Oh, let's see. What's the time in Colorado? Yeah, it's cool. Okay, it's only seven o'clock in Colorado, so it might be too early for Carver, <laughs> but that's okay. Let's try. Okay, what's the number? Happy hours, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So happy hours just finished. Hey, this is Emerson from Mahana. How can I help you? Hi, how are you? I'm calling from Australia. Um, this is ABC Radio, and we just wanted to ask... Is this a kava bar? Yeah. Okay. Are you selling kava at your bar at the moment? Yes, we are. Oh, wonderful. How much do you sell it for? Do you sell it by the glass or by the jug? Um, We sell it in, let me think, I think four grams. Four grams. Um, so it's just like a small little serving. Um, we have a single that goes for five and a double that goes for nine. So is is a single like a shot glass? Is that what you're saying? Um, no, it is more like a ladle if you've ever seen um, one of those good-sized oh, yeah. ladles. We just wanted to understand more about how you sell kava in America. Do you import it from anywhere in particular? Yeah, so we import it from some of the islands. Um, I'm not sure exactly which ones, but we have like Fiji, Van, we have Papa... Um, we have a few other strains as well. Tongan. Um, most of the names kind of go by where they're from, like Fiji, um, from Fiji, Van, Vanuatu, Samoa. Um. Wow, that's that's so awesome. And would you say it's a very it's a popular drink to have? Um, so the most popular is actually we sell our Kraken. Kraken is going to be all of the extract um, of the good feely stuff from the traditional. So it's just a bit stronger. Um, we sell that one a bit more. But in terms of just our traditional, it would probably be Fiji. Oh, wow. Do you, do you get many Pacific um, Pacific Island customers coming in? Man, I say here and there probably. Um, it's kind of a mix of everyone. Um, most of our um, regulars that do come here are recovering from, like, alcohol or any other drug um, kava is kind of a way for people to get off of those drugs um, so that's most of our regulars are people who are coming off of things or have been coming here for a while oh that's so awesome thank yeah. you thank thanks you Emerson well. bye bye if you want to know what's going on in pretty much any village in Samoa you head to the Tanoa, where the Ava is flowing. That's where the news spreads. In other countries, you'll know it as Kava, 
It plays an important part in ceremonies and can help settle disputes. Everyone's a bit calmer after a few cups of kava. I'm Sayuli Salamasina von Reiki, and this is Culture Compass, the show about survival, revival, and connection throughout the Pacific. And it's a staple in places like Fiji, Vanuatu, and Tonga as well. But like you just heard, it's not limited to the Pacific anymore. Kava is becoming big business. So, who is benefiting? And can this explosion of popularity bring money back into Pacific pockets? Ronald Naruin has been farming kava on Tana Island in Vanuatu for six years. At the moment, his kava is mostly drunk locally or exported to other Pacific nations. New Caledonia is the only place we can sell the kava to. But we are looking forward to sell to Australia, but uh, we don't know about you know, what the government thinks. Can you tell me how old were you when you first and when you had your kava for the first time? Oh, three years, four years is good. Three years old, four years old is good. Yes, it's very good. It's, That's it's amazing. Gone. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How long have you been a kava farmer, Uncle Ronald? I started the farm, and I it's now six years. And how old are you now? Oh, I am getting old now. I am seventy-one. You are awesome to be having a kava farm at 71 years old. Yeah. <laughs> How many people work on your farm? Just me, my wife, and four men. Yeah. I am, I am on Tana with plenty more farmers here, but the uh, whole Vanuatu, there, there are still many more farmers in Santo, Malakula, and other, and other islands in Vanuatu. Can you now walk us through the process when you plant kava, how long does it take before you can harvest it? When I plant them now, it will take three, three years for harvesting. Or, or if you, you want, you can harvest them four years. Especially for Tana, we, we, we sell them in a market green. But northern part of Anwadu, they dry them and send them to New Caledonia. So as a kava farmer, what would your average day be like? I, I clear the bush uh, and then ask the agriculture to bring the tractor and plow, and then I, I plant them. Plant different times, maybe 100 for one week, and then another 100 for one week, and then another 100 for one week. That's what I am doing. Do the people where you live drink the kava that you grow? Yes, they drink. And I brought some in the car now, in my car now, to the town for, for the people far away from me to buy them of me and, and take them home and drink. Do you uh, have kava ceremonies in Vanuatu? It is very important to have kava and then you, for the second season. And kava is important to buy the bright price. And it is good for that, the chief to, to bring the people together, the community together and to have cover together to talk with them or, or for reconciliation. If you do something wrong with your brother or sister, the chief will call you together. You sit together, we bring cover together and have cover together for the reconciliation and then say hand. That's a, a very, very important part of 
cover, to bring people together in the community. Every afternoon, chief will call men to the, to the Nakamal. They come with cover, and they sit and drink cover together, and they talk and reconcile. Every afternoon, people come together. That is one good thing, bring community together. Is there special ceremonies involved? Uh, is there a special person that's only allowed to mix the cover? Yes, especially young, young, young men who are not married. They prepare the cover and then chew it if there is no, no meat mincer. They chew it and then squeeze it with their hands with some water into the cup. And then when you drink it, then you feel the effect. In three minutes, kava is is not like alcohol. Kava kava is if you drink one cup, it will affect you just like you drink a carton of beer or something like like that. And kava, if you drink too much, it will make you weak and 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 sleep late if you drink too much. But can women drink kava in Vanuatu? They are not allowed before in nineteen. Uh, 19- Hundred until 1980s, but when we have independent women are, are, are drinking now. If you come to Fanwatuna, you will see women standing around in the streets to, to drink kava. How important would you say kava is to Vanuatu culture? Kava is very important because people on Tana they can't live without kava because it is good for custom ceremonies like what they call Nikoya, to bring people together to have a big, big feast or circumcision or to buy a girl for your son. Do you know that people all the way over New York, in America, they're drinking kava over there? Oh, I know many people in America, they drink kava now. In Tana, you, you see the lights everywhere in the town that the light shows that there is a kava there. And I heard the news that USA, they have that same light now. People who come to Ghana, they do the same thing in, in USA, but they, they say they buy, it costs a lot of money to buy just one cup. Do you hope to sell your kava to Europe or America one day? I am hoping and I am believing that one day I will sell kava to Australia or any place in Europe or USA. Ronald's farm on Tana Island could become a kava empire if global trade really takes off. But how likely is that to happen? Tanuwasa Semi Siakimotu is a director at the International Capacity Development Section in the Australian Department of Agriculture, Fisheries and Forestry. Kava is no different to many other agricultural products being produced and exported from the Pacific Islands. It's important to to note that wherever Pacific Island people and communities reside overseas, our products like kava, taro, cassava, yams also follow. And part of my role was to support the stakeholders with the export of kava to those uh, key markets. Unfortunately, at the time, we were going through some issues or challenges with with regards to kava and and the image that it had um, as a result of the, a ban that was imposed by the authorities in, in Germany. You know, we've come a long way since then, and there's been a lot of uh, developments in the sector. So, And part of that work I've been heavily involved in, in working closely with the countries, the 
those from the private sector as well as those from the Pacific governments as well and international development. So has it changed much in the Pacific over the last 10 to 20 years? I like to think it's improved in terms of uh, the image of Kava. Uh, it's become more professional and it's provided a lot of a lot more opportunities for our Pacific people to to one gain employment to uh, earn an income and 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 be able to um meet their village family and church commitments so it's it's improved a lot um a lot more people are involved in the export of kava what are the opportunities for pacific kava farmers as the business booms globally when you look at a lot of the key agricultural commodities that come that are exported from the pacific islands uh, and that's for example the likes of taro yam the root crops and then some leafy vegetables i think kava by far is the one that is uh, providing the economic benefits to the families uh, and creating opportunities for for the youth as well and for people with disability as well as women as well given that the market is paying a high price and there's a, a strong demand for it opportunities for those individuals also start to to pop up so let's say for example in in the production of kava uh, and for those who reside in areas that are affected by prolonged dry periods to get around that they'll have to look at other ways to start off their kava production and to do that they'll probably need to start off with a nursery kava nursery and that's not how kava or any agricultural has been produced in the pacific islands it's always been in a traditional way of farming so the women or people with with disability having to travel so far out to the farm where kava is produced the nursery could be right next door to where they live where they can provide care and 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 continue to nurture those those young plants until they're ready for for distribution the nurseries is just one of several other opportunities for for individuals to be to, to be involved in the kava value chain so in in terms of drying kava solar drying facilities are being installed next to the homes of of uh, some of these uh, kava farmers so the women can continue to look after the the the, the kava as they're being dried uh, in those solar dryers so this prevents them from having to travel out with the whole family and so everyone continues to perform their role in in relation to the production the harvesting washing cleaning and drying and the sale of kava to Tanwasa, what are the challenges and uh, risks for the farmers? The impacts of climate change is uh, increasing the cost of uh, inputs for kava farming and for agricultural production in the Pacific Islands. Access to water as a result of prolonged droughts is another challenge. So there's there's many climate change-associated challenges. But we also are mindful of the environmental degradation potentially from kava production and, and so there's a lot of discussions in the countries to make sure that kava farming is sustainable and then you've got the um the linkages to market the cost associated with that the reliability of transportation and then the availability of markets and the need to make sure we maintain access to those markets there's a a whole lot of uh, challenges we spoke to a kava bar in colorado and the usa Um, they say most of their customers aren't Pacific Islanders, but they're recovering from a drug or alcohol addiction. Does mm. that surprise you? No, people are looking for healthier alternatives, and I think cover can be that uh, for a lot of people. 
the USA alone, if if this is a, a measure to go by, there's a there's over 300 cover bars that have opened up in the US and more to come. But also good to important to recognize there are some other challenges in relation to how cover is is uh, traded and, and and consumed in those countries. In Australia, we currently have a pilot, and 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 so there's um, you know cover is primarily consumed by our Pacific peoples in Australia. And hopefully more people can be introduced to kava, given uh, we'd like to call it the antidote to a stressful world. You know, kava can be the two to some of those uh, communities outside the Pacific Island communities in, in not just here in Australia, but New Zealand and further afield. What do you think is behind this growth in popularity? Like I said, I think people are looking for alternatives to address some of the stresses that they're going through, they're facing in life. Looking for an alternative that uh, doesn't create other problems. The, the other thing too is a lot of people are appreciating culture as well. So, uh, with the large population of uh, Pacific Islanders in Australia, uh, the friends of those people are starting to also want to experiment and want to experience Kava for what it provides and and, and the cultural aspects of it. So we know that kava is taking off in faraway places, but it's also becoming a legitimate business closer to home. And now Masui Henry and her husband started the first dedicated kava lounge in Auckland, Aotearoa, in 2019. We set it up like how we would want our house to be, our lot of fale or our living room. So there's a lot of art. My husband, uh, Todd, he does a lot of photography. You know, we, we love um, supporting our Pacific artists. The light is quite dim, which is uh, inspired by the Nakamao, how the Niven and Vanuatu, they drink their kava. The music is quite chilled, so nothing crazy. And it's quite loungy, you know. We have a brick wall, cane furniture. And you want we wanted to create a space that you walk in and you feel relaxed and you can just sit and feel content with where you're at in that time and space. It sounds so beautiful. I want to be there now. <laughs> we have a group we call our regulars who have been they've supported us since day one. We had like the Tongan community, Pacific community really supported us during COVID when there was no um, no tourists coming in. But also it's quite a eclectic range of people who come in. So it's it's interesting because it's kind of like, it's a non-pretentious space cover, you know? You're drawn in by the by the idea of like a neutral and respectful space, irrespective of what religion or sexuality or anything like that. So, yeah, we get a wide range, Pacific, non-Pacific. That's amazing. You know, sometimes you look out and you, it's like the UN, you know? It is an international space. What a wonderful yeah. place to be. <laughs> My little lover. You know, Kava has been important for your family when they were living in Tonga. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, oh gosh, you know, we migrated, my family and I, I'm the youngest of seven, we migrated from Tongatapu in the late 80s, and I guess when you grow up watching the struggle, you know, my mum and dad, they were new New Zealand, Aotearoa, didn't speak the language, uh, different systems, different cultural norms and social constructs and ways of beings and perspectives on success and life and what matters in people's lives every single day. And, you know, in order to look after the family, my parents actually just went back to Gava. That's what they knew. So that's why we 
were always going back home to Tonga because um, my dad planted, harvested. We have a kava pounding machine. He was one of the first ones in Tonga to have the kava pounding machine. And we had it at our house. We pounded our own, own kava. And we also charged other people who came to pound their kava there. You know, now I'm like, oh, they're business people. But they never saw themselves as that. They were just immigrants trying to make sure their family was looked after. Are there many differences you see when people drink kava socially at a bar versus when they drink it for ceremonial purposes? There's a lot of customs there with tradition, steeped in tradition that's been going on for like thousands of years. And uh, one of that would be the Daumafa kava. Um, usually when there's a new king, when you bestow the title, you know, it's all part of that. Um, and then, you know, with that, there's a, the, oh man, I, my knowledge there is very, very surface. And there's usually only like certain people who are in those circles um, and hold, who hold that knowledge. And I'm definitely not one of them. Um, but in terms of socially, how governors consume uh, from um, my own experiences that, you know, we've had them, had them at our wedding of our first Sunday um, to complete that ceremony. Got married on a Thursday, have the ceremony on a Sunday with a kava to, I guess, solidify the union between man and woman. Um, and, you know, kava also, you know, you have it at the we- weddings and uh, funerals, graduations, birthdays, big birthdays like the 21st, senior, uh, it's a cultural keystone. It's a cultural marker of our time of where we're at in time and space in this, in the diaspora, you know, outside of where from, where we are from. So um, that's how we have Gawa socially. And then even more socially than that is, um, you know, people, depending on who you're talking to, people might have Gawa at home. Um, people be having Gawa like after like training with their like team, uh, how people, ha- people who come through the shop, they might be having like a, like a breakout party or someone's going away. One of the corporates, they'll come through. One of their guys is moving to another job. So it's part of, you know, offing them or supporting them or, you know, saying goodbye as they voyage on to the next stage of their life. They'll have gava instead of alcohol, which is really awesome, right? Um, that's beautiful. I love the send off. Mm. That's something I've, I've yeah. never really sort of heard about. Yeah. Are there any rules around women drinking kava in Tongan culture? Again, I guess it depends on who you're talking to. Some men would say, you know, women shouldn't be drinking kava. Some people might say, yes, it's okay to drink kava. Everyone has the different opinions. Um, I know people on both ends. But I'm like, okay, what's the alternative? Should we go and get smashed on alcohol? And so it's it's like... Gava is actually a healthy alternative in its traditional cold water method way, which is only the gava powder, powder and the water. So that's kind of like my take on it. But, you know, a lot of women drink gava, Tongan women drink gava, and it's, I've heard people share here, young people saying, you know, they might drink with their dad and just have a talanoa, like a conversation. And I think that's really cool, you know. It's like the beverage that you can have and connect with the person that you're with, keeping company with around the gourmette. What are the misconceptions about kava? Yeah, I think the main one is definitely kava's alcohol. You know, it has really different effects to alcohol. It's quite opposite to alcohol where you drink the kava, um, there's different cultivars. But, you know, while it might make you feel like you're 
your body a bit slow or it's making you feel content, you still have like a real heightened sense of clarity. Um, you know, unlike alcohol, you're just either all on or all off and you just want to go, 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 go. Gava, you know, makes you feel content of just being where you're at. Um, that's a misconception. Another one, it's, oh, it's a drug, you know, it's going to get you high. It's, it's, it's as much as a drug technically as coffee is a drug. It's kind of like that, but it's not like a like a drug like we know cocaine and stuff. And also, nothing happens when you drink gava, and that's also a misconception. You know, with gava, uh, the way that it's um, processed can you know determine the outcome of the gava as an end product. So not only where the gava is from, how it's planted, how long it's been in the ground for, but also when you pull it out, how it's been processed plays a big part of how the gava ends up affecting you at the end. You know, we call the kava bar in Colorado and America. They have them in New York and all around now. Do you think it's a good thing that they're opening up all around the world? Uh, my thing is, you know... Um, if you're going to do gava, man, like, instead of just learning our words like bula, gava, gava tonga, gava fisi, whatever, it's so superficial. It's so surface level. You have to know, you have to go and learn, like, what is this? Like, have you even been to the nations that, like, grow these plants? Like, what do you actually know around our creation narratives? What do you know about the themes from those creation narratives and the principles that we can take away, that we can incorporate in our lives today, you know? And it's like, man, you need to honor, you need to honor the product that you're selling. And, you know, if it's just a gimmick, if it's just purely commercial and you don't really care about the culture, that speaks for itself. Um, my thing is, man, like, if the cultural knowledge is not there, then it's weird. Yeah, it's just a commodified uh, um, product, and you take away the mana of gava when you don't, when you don't like understand, you know, what is this product that you're selling? Do you think you'll be seeing more kava lounges, kava bars in Aotearoa in the next few years? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And you know what? If it's our own people, I'm all for it. I'm like, it's good. We should be leading this space because this is our cultural taonga. You know, there's a, a number, I believe around seven in the southern, uh, south and west Auckland. And um, they're all Fijian owned, I believe. Um, that's kind of like a kava bar set up. Uh, we're the only one that kind of does it like this, um, the way we set it up. And then, of course, there's our, you know, five kava spaces with our Tongan communities, you know, in their homes or in their halls and garages, while we'll make money from it to look after our families. And that's, that's acceptable. Nothing is free here in New Zealand, right? But at the same time, at least we will take care of it as well, you know? Um, so I think the more fast from the Moana uh, owning that space here in Aotearoa, the better. What do you think mm. is the best way to drink kava? Uh, I'm pretty biased. The best way is uh, to the traditional cold water method way. Water, gava, that's it. That's the gava. Anything outside of that, I don't even know what you're drinking. You know, if it's any in any other form, again, the whole purpose of gava is to drink it like that. There's a connection to it. You're drinking with other people. You're creating meaningful conversations. You're creating meaningful relationships. And even if you're drinking it by yourself, there's still a it's still different, you know, you're still, you know, gava, like the man of the gava, like gava is alive. That's how I see it. 
you know it's got it's it's a it's a living thing in my perspective so you're honoring it when you're having that proper drinking of the kava rather than popping a pill and what's the point I guess our secret is finally out from the sunny farms of Tana Island in Vanuatu to the Faikava spaces and inner city lounges of Aotearoa and even the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, USA. It's clear that Kava is expanding far beyond our islands. And if we retain some control over the business aspect, there's plenty of benefits for us as Pacific people. As long as we can export the cultural meaning with the product itself, the mana of Kava will travel as well. Culture Compass on ABC Radio Australia. Culture Compass is hosted by me, Sayuli Salamasina von Reiki. Our ABC Radio Australia executive producer is Falangafulu Inga Stunstner. From Deadset Studios, our producer is Grace Pashley. And our executive producer is Rachel Fountain. This episode was produced on the lands of the Torrible, Jagara and Dorambul people. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Music